football podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, late-round quarterback, and as always, I am joined by my mildly lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's going on, buddy? Uh, I am intrigued by this, which is my Tuesday, probably your Tuesday, too, because guess what, JJ? There are 69,420 days until April 20th, 2069. That's right. We're on the countdown to 42069, which obviously will be the last, you know, the end of the world. That, that's the day the world ends. Yeah, when there's when there's 16 people left on this earth from yep. all of the, the 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 melted ice caps that have right. already you know, the the floods that have already taken over, uh, those 16 people will be able to celebrate that day. Right, right. There you go with your left wing politics again. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I uh, I thought we were gonna keep it keep it politics free, but. But yeah, right. If you're logged on, uh, you know, floating in the in the middle of the ocean that that it, you know now covers uh, Kansas, uh, then uh, you'll be able to celebrate and be like, oh man, the people back in the day would have loved this date. Amazing. Yeah. They all retweeted uh, the the day uh, back. How many days was it? Is it sixty nine thousand four hundred twenty? Is that what it is? Right. Yeah. So six sixty nine thousand four hundred twenty days ago. Yeah, they did this for me. Yeah, they, they you could look back in the Twitter archive and be like, "Oh man, we were so funny and ironic in those days when the world could have been saved." Oh, amazing! I mean, we were just <laughs> yeah, exactly. we're, we're the greatest generation, really. I feel like we, you know, last week you guys listened to the S Show episode uh, with Denny, me, and and our buddy Tom Everett Scott, and Tom being the Hollywood actor, uh, <laughs> we came up with uh, a, a script. Essentially, I mean, it was basically we wrote a script on the, on the episode, yeah, about that thing you do too. And I think that there's something to this idea of global warming really did take over. Everyone died. These are the last people on Earth. <laughs> it's like Castaway, but in the future, and it's real life. Right. It's it's an, an incredibly more global than Castaway, which is just the one guy. <laughs> yeah, just the one guy. The it's one like guy. okay, if he doesn't make it, it's not the biggest deal in the world. Uh, can I can I just say that that scene? And and you know what? I am going to give a spoiler to a twenty year old movie. I need I need everyone to deal with it for a minute. Yes, you can, yes they can deal with it. Twenty years, folks. All right. So that scene where Tom Hanks busts out his tooth mm. is, to me, I don't know why. I'm not particularly weird about teeth, but that scene is the most brutal, hard-to-watch scene I think I've ever seen in a movie. Ever. I, I, I'm, I, I cringe so hard I can, I can barely stand up straight when I see that. It's just wow. it's unimaginable to me. Can you can you do that? Can you do that to yourself? I could never. Could never. No, I couldn't. I couldn't do any. What was the 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 movie with James Franco with the arm? Oh, the oh, what's how many how many hours was he stuck under the boulder? Four hundred and twenty hours. I don't know. Four hundred sixty nine hours. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like but that like could you imagine doing something like that? Oh God! I that's that. I mean, now that seems much worse. Thank you for one up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, that's what I'm saying. There's there's way worse than knocking a tooth out, Denny. Oh my. Well, you know what though? You know what though? If the, the tooth thing, if the pain gets intense enough, uh, you're going to want to knock it out. 
So true. So true. maybe maybe that's that's the factor that I, that I'm not really considering because I I recently had a, a root canal a few months ago, wow. and I can tell you that the pain that I was experiencing um, for a week beforehand was life altering. I mean, yeah. It, it it my whole day revolved around taking ibuprofen. Yeah, and the, did it did it affect like your whole face? Yeah, it hurt. Yes, it hurt. Well, you mean after the after the procedure? Well, both. I, I've I've heard that it can it can like just, like the pain is just like so. I've had I've had like TMJ before, uh-huh. right? You uh-huh. know, like the jaw issue, and like that that's made like my shoulders hurt before. Like it can just like like I feel uh-huh. like your mouth and mouth pain is yeah. really under is an underrated source of pain. Oh oh god, yeah, it, it's it's horrific. Uh, and you know, I know we're we're we are dabbling in a little politics right now, but the the fact that that dental care is not part of healthcare is tremendously dumb. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Anyway, we were going to talk about Antonio Brown to start the show today, but I don't even think that we need to. Uh, I mean, what do you what do you say beyond you know the? It's just a it's just a, like a movie at this point. It is. I, I so if you're draft. So by the way, uh, I don't know if we even talked about this on the show, but. I drafted him in the Apex League. Uh, I, I've I've been very anti, not anti AB, but just like don't I, I don't I don't like drafting the question marks like that, especially in the early rounds. Um, and I last January when all this stuff was going down with Antonio Brown, I traded him in a dynasty league for David Johnson mm-hmm. last January, and I feel very good about that. Now. Uh, yeah, he should. But but in the Apex League, when all this stuff was coming out about Antonio Brown, uh, I went to the league because I drafted Antonio Brown. So I had him. So I went to the league and I wanted to trade him instantly just to get something because I could just see the situation going South. I didn't think he was actually going to retire, but the low key issue with this whole Antonio Brown situation is that he's missing camp Mm -hmm. on a new team with a new quarterback. Right? Like we can't have this expectation that Antonio Brown is just going to do Antonio Brown things when let's be real. Antonio Brown's arguably the most talented wide receiver and I, I I wouldn't put him there, but I think that he's, you know, he's at least in the conversation, right? It's him, DeAndre Hopkins, maybe Julio, what have you. So Antonio Brown's up there, but you can't deny that part of what he did and part of his production had to do with the rapport that he had on the field with Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's not only a new quarterback in a new system, it's a much worse quarterback. Right. Right. The, the rapport is not there. Uh, and everything, like so much of what he did with Roethlisberger was timing based. Right. And that's, it's frightening to me to think about, you know, of course he's going to see a ton of volume, but it's still frightening to me about with him missing so much of, of camp and practice and whatnot as to what will happen with, with Derek Carr. What about all the backyard plays? And this is not something we usually get into on LTS. I understand. It's not. But, but like, like anecdotally, all the times you see Roethlisberger roll out and basically just point to AB and say, Hey, Hey, go here, go there. And they make an incredible connection down the field on a scramble that looked hopeless. Right. Um, I, I, yeah, you have to be afraid that those Derek, don't exist. Derek Carr's not doing that at all. Right. He's not going right. to do that. Yeah, so I was scared for a lot of reasons. I just saw the situation going south, you know, his foot injury, all of that. So I traded him straight up to Mike Clay for Leonard Fournette because Mike Clay had a lot of running backs. I, didn't, I went fairly zero RB in that draft. So I, I traded him for Leonard Fournette. I might regret it at some point, but I, I saw it as realistically, I don't have Leonard Fournette that much further down in my overall rankings compared to Antonio Brown. That league is more wide receiver focused, um, but it's still, to me, I just feel a lot better mm-hmm. not having it. It's my last and only share of Antonio Brown. There you go. I'm done. If he yeah. dominates, he dominates. 
He's but not it's just easier to not. It's it's just easier to not deal with it. But Denny, that league is the Apex League, right? Yes. I think that you have something to say about Apex. I do. That's a great man. That is a nice little podcast. Uh, what do you, what do you call it? Uh, I'm experienced. A segue. It's a segue. Yes. The way of the seg. A, a seg, if you will. A seg. A segu. A segu. <laughs> Right. By the way, by the way, I have to just throw this is the most random story ever, but it's one of the funniest. Yeah. I hope this person's not listening to this podcast. <laughs> ninth grade, ninth grade, we read To Kill a Mockingbird like uh-huh. a lot of freshmen in high school did, right? But I don't even know when people usually read it. Yeah, but yeah, we read to kill right. we we read to a kill to kill a mockingbird. Remember in in in, in school when uh you would popcorn or like you know, you would a different person would read different different pieces of the story. Mm-hmm. This one girl in my class, instead of a quit, she would always say a quit. <laughs> and that word shows up a lot in yeah. certain parts of that story. Yeah. And it was just a quit. A quit. Over and over and over again. That's, but that's what that reminded me of the, the Sieg the, and the Segway. Yeah. Sieg. But the Segway, the Apex. Seg- yeah. Now that I've butchered that, uh, I want to apologize. But you know what? You participated in that butchering too. I did. I did. Yes. ApexFantasyLeagues.com. You must check it out. It is, and I, I'm, I swear, I'm not saying this because they're paying for an ad, which we appreciate. I genuinely see Apex as the best place to start a, a fantasy league, no matter what kind of league you want to play. Uh, and that, clu- obviously, that includes seasonal leagues. Uh, that's that's where we play our Apex Fantasy. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Apex Writers League, um, and. Sorry, I, I blanked there. Uh, <laughs> so it basically, at the end of the season, all we all we ever hear uh, from people is that they hate fantasy because luck ruins the game. Not Andrew Luck, but variance. And what Apex does is it helps to kind of drain the luck out of the equation by A, having fractional point scoring, which includes kickers, by the way, which obviously... I'm a big fan of uh, the skill-based format removes randomness from fantasy by having two games per week. Uh, in other words, if I'm playing JJ and just for argument's sake, I beat him in a oh, low get sc- out of here. In a, it happens sometimes in a low scoring game, right? I beat him 120 to 118. Okay. And uh, this is my fantasy obviously. And, um, <laughs> But the the league average is 125 that week. I then get one win and one loss. So the teams that usually skate by by getting lucky week after week by playing low-scoring teams, they can't skate by anymore. And the teams that are dominant, that are putting up a lot of points consistently week after week, they're being rewarded with two wins. So that's 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 the advantage that Apex Fantasy has. That's the way that variance is... Uh, at least at least minimized. Uh, so check it out. ApexFantasyLeagues.com. And Denny and I both have a ring in the in the Apex uh, Expert League. We do, we do. And 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 there there was there was no there were no shenanigans with those rings. No shenanigans. Uh, so today we're gonna talk about guys who might kick off the season off a little bit slow. This was Denny's idea, and I kinda I kinda yeah. liked it, Denny. Thanks. I like the idea. Guys who might start the season off slow, whether it be competition whether it be early season schedule, but might be late bloomers. Sure. You know, 
guys who hit puberty when they're in 12th grade. <laughs> that, that's who we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So I, I was thinking, I was thinking of players who, you know, we might be quick to drop during the first two or three weeks of the season because they're just not doing. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh wow. Voice, speaking voice, of speaking of puberty. Oh my god, my voice cracked like I'm 12. Oh my god. Okay, I know you're gonna go back and edit that. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, wink, then forget wink. about. It. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I, instead of dropping these guys, I think that we have reason to hold on to them. Do you want to start with one? Sure, I'll start with one. Um, Darius Geis is who I'll, I'll start with. Um, he's not someone I'm active. Or sorry, I should say he has not been someone that I've actively been drafting. But his ADP has fallen to a point where I'm not nearly as against getting Darius Geis because earlier in July. You could have people were drafting him in like the sixth, seventh round, or, you know, late sixth round, let's say. Um, now, I mean, there have been drafts where I've gotten him in the ninth. Uh, I mean, he's he's just falling. He's just dropping and dropping and dropping because the ACL uh, he hasn't been completely cleared. Uh, he's going to apparently play in the preseason, which is good, um, but he does have that ACL recovery. And then on top of that, you have a, a fairly muddied backfield, and you have Chris Thompson, who we know is going to be a pass catcher. You have Adrian Peterson, who. Uh, for all intents and purposes, is, is still going to be a decent uh, early down running back. Um, so I, I, I think that, that it's a little bit scary to draft Darius guys in the middle rounds. If you can get him in the, as you creep into later rounds, it makes total sense. Uh, he was my number two back coming out last season behind mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley. Um, he, he's, a, he's a good player. Uh, it's just that he hasn't obviously has not been able to be healthy. But then on top of that, you have a Washington situation that's not very favorable for, for fantasy backs, right? I mean, you, you have to just assume that it's not going to be great. Offensive yeah. line already has some issues. Um, the defense should be okay, which might keep them somewhat in games. But the quarterback situation is questionable. They don't have experienced wide receivers. It's Jordan Reed and log out on that offense right now. <laughs> yeah, right. right? Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that Geis uh, cuts into Chris Thompson's role? Yeah, so I think that that's the key. I think that they might just ease him in to start the season. But the other thing to this, the other point to this, they start the year off against the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Bears. Mm. Those are three horrific matchups for them. Horrific. And if we if we don't know slash if they don't throw him in as the pa- as the pass catching back in that offense right away, because there's likely going to be negative game scripts, and it doesn't make that much sense for a guy who hasn't been fully healthy to be on the field in potential blowouts, right? So this is why I think he's going to be a player that is more of a buy candidate maybe after week three happens uh, than someone who I'm drafting and sort of stashing and starting in my lineup for those first three games. Again, I'm to the point now where I think he's very fairly valued. So if you want to draft him and just stash him, mm-hmm. that's totally fine by me because I think that you know there, there are some instances where you know situation situation is not everything, number one. Um, and if there's a back who's going to see a, a, a big workload and if he can be, you know, a, just a, a good running back, he can produce, he can be, he can be productive and good in fantasy football. So I think that Darius Geis has the potential to be that. Um, but the upside isn't as strong just because of the offense that he's in. But I, I just see him more as someone that I'm going to buy later in the season than someone that I'm going to just plug and play and start right away. Makes sense. Um, I want to talk about the Arizona wide receivers who obviously are being taken near each other i'm wondering actually if we're going to start seeing their adps drop a little bit after i hope that horrific cardinals performance so you're not bothered by that at all 
I'm not. I, I the card the way that the Cardinals ran that offense is not at all indicative of how they're going to run it in the regular season. Right. I and I I think that that's kind of lost in all the criticism. It, yeah, I mean, look, there, there was a quote from Larry Fitzgerald uh-huh. that I I saw on Twitter about how in practice they snapped the ball with 25 seconds left on the clock. Wow. Wow. Like like this is this is not in in the preseason they've been they've been just running normal plays at a normal pace. It's not going to be like that in the regular season or else I, I I would be surprised if it is, let's say. And not only that, Kyler Murray in his first game didn't look all that bad at all. Right. Uh, the second game was kind of rough, but uh, there were a lot of bad penalties that they took. Uh, it was just, it was just a very like uh, um, disconnected offense. It looked like, so let's just see what happens in, in game three. And let's see if they pick the pace up. They might not pick the pace up and just surprise everyone in week one. Um, but that pace is going to be real. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, not to not to hijack your no, your, okay. uh, your guys here, but Cliff Kingsbury in college at Texas Tech, every single season, he uh, his offense was was in the top ten in pace, right? Um, and and was 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 in the top ten in pass to rush attempt ratio. I think one year he was outside the top ten in pace. So I mean, it's going to be a pass friendly, fast paced offense, right? Well. I'm here to say, <laughs> after all that, that uh, the Cardinals receivers don't really have a super favorable matchup until the week six to eight mark, uh, and the second half of their schedule seems pretty favorable overall, but they start with uh, Detroit, Baltimore, Carolina, uh, among others. They, all those teams that I just named, the Panthers, Ravens, and, and Lions are uh, all in the top half of the stingiest defenses against wide receivers, according to four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points from last season. Uh, luckily the, they, the, the receiver, the receivers for the Cardinals, the whole Cardinals team, some would say, uh, get the bucks in week 10, which will be good. Uh, and they play the Rams in week 13. And then of course week 17, which we don't really care about too much. Um, but the Rams have been pretty good for, for receiver purposes. Uh, obviously I think we want them, I, we want the Cardinals offense in a, in a scenario where they have to push the pace. They have to try to, they have to take to the air a lot. Um, and so that's what we're looking for. But the first half of the season schedule wise, uh, is pretty rough. I, I would hesitate. I would, I would hesitate against, you know, trading, uh, Fitzpat, uh, Fitzgerald or Christian Kirk away if they start slow is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I still think that they're really good draft picks. Um, especially, you know, it, it, it's one. So my gosh, I can't talk. Uh, anyway, it's it's one of those situations where I think a lot of the perception out there is that Arizona Cardinals players are way overvalued, uh-huh. and it's like, wh- where are they overvalued? Other, you know, maybe you think David Johnson's overvalued, but well, but like cr- cr- Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk is like a sixth, seventh round pick in most drafts. And then you have Larry Fitzgerald who goes a round or two after that. It's not like you're spending this crazy premium on, on Arizona Cardinals players. Yeah, it's not like you have to take uh, use three of your first four picks on Cardinals. You know, Right. Um, and Christian Kirk was awesome last year whenever you give his situation context. Right. And he's great, especially as a rookie. Yeah. All right, in, anyway. In the dumpster fire offense, yeah. Anyway. I'm going to talk about Justice Hill. Right. Justice Hill is one of those players that I don't like leaving drafts without. Yeah. I know that that in the LTS Listener League, as I was hosting this podcast, I went so running back heavy early that I wasn't even on the running back tab for most of the draft. Yeah. Um, and I, I stupidly didn't get Justice Hill. But 
Justice Hill was someone that I, I targeted in every dynasty rookie draft I had. Uh, I, I just, the upside is there. Um, but if you, if you look at what this Baltimore offense uh, looked like last season when Lamar Jackson took over, they had the most rush attempts by running backs after Lamar Jackson took over. Gus Edwards in particular was third in the NFL behind only Chris Carson and Ezekiel Elliott in rush attempts, which it's Gus Edwards. It's, it's freaking <laughs> insane. Uh, so you, so, and then on top of that, the Ravens depth chart is likely to be Mark Ingram, who's going to be 30 at the end of the year and Gus Edwards, who are two very, very different running backs than Justice Hill is. Justice Hill is kind of a, a smaller guy, very, very fast, um, really fits, in my opinion, fits today's NFL well, uh, and, and better than, you know, I, I don't have anything against Mark Ingram. I just don't think Mark Ingram is like a special talent. Uh, I think that a lot of what Mark Ingram did in New Orleans had to do with the situation that he was in. Um, and it, it's it's hard to discount that, at least. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing Justice Hill as someone who, you know, the first three weeks of the season, Baltimore has uh, very favorable positive game scripts coming, more than likely. Very favorable scripts. Um, Justice Hill might be involved here and there. But as the season goes on, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Justice Hill carves out a larger and larger role in that backfield. So he's someone that I'm absolutely drafting and stashing, and I, I wouldn't be looking to necessarily not draft him and then buy low or and, and, and go go with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think it's a scenario where you just want him on your roster. Uh, right, and I also think anybody who thinks they're going to buy low on Justice Hill is playing in a pretty um, beginner's league. I don't know, an office league. I, you're, yeah. you're not. You're not going to be anyone who takes Justice Hill intentionally in a re, in a in a seasonal league right now is doing it with the, with a, with an eye toward the future, not an eye toward right. week one, but an eye right. toward week six or eight or ten. So yeah, they know what they're doing if they're getting Justice Hill. And and I, I just it's it's a it's a situation where there's probably more opportunity than than folks realize. Right. Exactly. Sterling Shepard is my next guy. I want to uh, hear about this one. This is this one's going to be interesting. Yeah. So it, this is twofold. Uh, one, the Giants s- seem intent on an organizational level uh, to own the libs by continuing to start Eli Manning until it's literally no longer viable. Uh, so with Manning at least starting the the first part of the season and the Giants running into a pretty rough schedule to start. They play against Dallas, Buffalo, Washington, and Minnesota uh, to start in the in the early part of the season. Those are all really bad matchups, especially for receivers. Uh, even though Sterling Shepard will be, you know, will be Golden Tateless uh, for for those first uh, for that first month. Um, but after that, the schedule softens up a bit. The, the again, they get the Bucks. Uh, in in week three, so the the Bucks are the one exception in that in that horrific start for the Giants, um, and then the prospect of Daniel Jones, who I would think would be an upgrade to Eli at this point. I don't know who who wouldn't be. Uh, the, the prospect of Dan- Daniel Jones coming on later in the year and games against Arizona, the Jets, Philadelphia, and Miami in weeks ten to sixteen, I think make Shepard a far more appealing second half prospect than first half gotcha okay i can i can i can see where you're coming from. all right good good uh the last guy i'm going to talk about is darwin thompson who's another player who i think you should be targeting <laughs> late in drafts and, and leaving your drafts with and it's not so much that i don't think damian williams is going to be the guy in that backfield i do 
Um, but you know, you're playing probability here. I, I don't think Carlos Hyde is, I, he honestly might not make the team. Oh, yeah. And so if, if he doesn't make the team, then that, then all of a sudden Darwin Thompson is probably the number two running back on that team. And I think just watching him in the preseason, it's very easy to see that Darwin Thompson is probably at least has more upside than Carlos Hyde does. I, I mean, Darwin's the guy I, I feel the same way about that. You feel about justice Hill. I don't want to leave a draft without Darwin. Yeah. And so, and, and look at the facts with Damian Williams. Again, I think Damian Williams is properly priced. So this is not me saying don't draft Damian Williams, all of that. I think, they, I, I, you know, if, if you look at the timeline of things, you go from Damian Williams is the guy, he hurts his hamstring, now it's going to be someone of a committee, but now he's just running with the ones. Right. Like, this, Damian Williams is going to be the starter. But let's look at the facts. He's 27 years old. He's never been the lead back in the NFL. I mean, there there are there are question marks. He's already had the hamstring injury, but the offensive situation is great, and I think that Darwin Thompson can be a Tariq Cohen who can maybe run between the tackles a little bit better type of player. Yeah, and that is exactly the kind of player that you want in an Andy Reid offense. That, that, that's that's what you want in in this specific offense. Give me that all day. So I think Darwin. So Darwin Thompson's another guy who, in 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 my dynasty league drafts, I just was targeting him too, and it was all situation based at the time because I didn't really do a ton of evaluation on him um, when some of those drafts were happening. Mm-hmm. But then after the fact, I looked back and I said, "Wow, he's not not as bad as a, as his as his draft capital might have looked." And I think that his situation and his fit makes a lot of sense. And so again, this is a scenario where. I don't mind Damian Williams. You could realistically, this is a rare case where I don't even considering it handcuffing mm-hmm. because both can have roles in some way. Um, but I don't mind locking up this particular backfield yeah. with be, be, because the cost is not significant for how elite that backfield is. It's not like you're locking up the the Rams backfield and having to having to draft Daryl Henderson in the sixth or seventh round or Latavius Murray in the Saints backfield mm-hmm. and having to lock him up in the sixth round. This is someone who's going in the double digit rounds, so it's a lot easier to to really just capture that entire backfield. Sure, sure. Uh, I I would want uh, Natron Means if he came out of retirement and was the <laughs> Kansas City starting That's right. running back. I would want him on my fantasy team. So if you can actually get a guy who's explosive and who profiles well, like like a Darwin Thompson, uh, yes, yes, please. Uh, also, it's disrespectful that the Chiefs organization gave number 25 to Thompson. Uh, Maybe they know. Since it belongs to the greatest running back in, in the history of football. But that's here, neither here nor there. Maybe they know something. Maybe they do. All right, last guy for me, Noah Fant. Uh, I think I've talked about him on, on the show maybe a couple weeks ago. Yeah. He, so he, he may be hurt. Is this is this a long-term injury or no? I don't think so. I don't think so, no. Okay. Um, I saw Bronco's Twitter absolutely melting down when he got uh, his knee buckled or turned or something in last night's game. All right, so assuming the injury is not bad, he starts with Oakland, which is a great matchup for tight ends. Uh, he then runs into some of the toughest teams against tight ends, at least the last couple of years, including uh, Green Bay in week three, Jacksonville in week four, uh, the Chargers in week five. Every time I look at LAC, I think Clippers, and I want to say Clippers. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers in week five, and then Tennessee in week six. That is a murderer's row of tight end matchups. Not great, not great. But then, of course, it softens up, which is the whole point of this segment. Uh, Casey, Indy, Cleveland come right after that. 
that's a much more favorable matchup streak for tight ends. All of those teams, the Browns, the Colts, and the Chiefs, were bottom five in adjusted fantasy points given up to tight ends last season with the, with the Chiefs allowing the most. Uh, so Fant's uh, schedule starts not great. It gets a lot better uh, at, at around around midseason. Not only that, but you want you know you want a tight end to have some time to get acclimated to the game, right? So yeah. it's it's he rookie tight ends are always so much easier to target second half of the season than the front half of the season. Oh, for sure. So that's gonna do it for this segment. Okay. Let's hit let's hit Twitter. We have some questions. Some of them are from the last podcast we did that uh, we didn't get to. So I'm just gonna run through some of these and see what happens. Okay. This first one, I don't think we read. It's from at Blake underscore Dyer underscore 24. It says, why is JJ's cornhole form so broken? Did you see this? I, I did. What Remind me how you throw it? I throw it normally. Okay. I, I, I put a picture on Instagram from my daughter's first birthday of me doing my, like, I, it's a follow through. Uh-huh. And my my arm was up in the air. Yeah. Like, like this, like I tossed the bag. Okay. And it looks like the it looked like I was throwing. Some people thought that I was throwing it overhand. Oh, 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 oh! It's like what you guys. If any of you saw that picture and your first reaction was why is JJ throwing it overhand, then you don't know me well enough. Yeah, come on, I mean, you, like come on, guys. You're way you're way too much of a bro to be throwing it overhand. Yeah, oh. right. Like get out of here with that garbage. So uh, no, it's not, my my form is not broken. My form is actually awesome, and I will dominate you, Blake, <laughs> at cornhole. I'll dominate you. <laughs> Oh man, he's fi- I'm looking at him right now. Like he's fired up. And yeah, I- floating head JJ is about to happen. So it's 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 becoming uh the, the sun is starting to go down. Yes, it is. Next question at Tyler Strong ninety five. I don't think that we read these. I, I I black out when I do this podcast, so it's it's hard to remember. But this one says, "What's the LTS take on throwing up? Obviously not very fun. But I've been sick, and after I vomited last night, I felt so much better. Puking, necessary evil, or hashtag not even once." Oh no no no! Uh, puking can can feel fantastic. I mean, it depends on what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, drinking or sickness, because um, I think with drinking, if the times and and it hasn't happened in a long time since you know being a dad and all and going to bed at ten o'clock every night. But sure, um, throw at my my bachelor party. I got home and I threw up immediately. Yeah. And yeah, I this felt, is the one. This is the one where you're with your. You told us the story about your uh, your wife, right? The, right, right, right. And she says she's. Uh, and my and my friend says, "Are you going out?" She's dressed up in her. She has her pajamas on. Um. And so anyway, I threw up, and I felt immediately better. Now I then passed out, but I, I, I. That is the best feeling when you can just get that done. Now when you're sick, I feel like that's not the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I almost feel like we we answered this question before oh i hope that we didn't though but if we did that just goes to show that denny and i truly truly freestyle this questions portion of the podcast yeah well i apologize this next one at the hive underscore mind what's the best football movie the best football movie yeah oh can i can i make a confession Uh uh-huh i'm a rudy stan okay People hate me for it. Uh, hate me. Why? I think Rudy's a good movie. It's fine. I mean, all all, all football movies are, are kind of bad. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It, every, you know, people are like, oh, it's too corny. It's whatever. No, every single sports movie is like that unless it's a true story of some sort. Um, even then, even then it's usually 
insane. I don't really have one that, that stands out for me, uh, but I do. I do love Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Robbie da- Robert Downey Jr.'s character in the Rodney Dangerfield hits Back to School, where he wears oh. a football helmet and and has a makes a metaphor for football as nuclear war. That is my uh, that is my my favorite football centric character in any movie. Nice. Next question. I'm going to pull up uh, uh, some standings from last season for this. It's from at mana underscore dork. You were given a chance to be the head coach of any team that finished last in their division last year. Okay. You will be paid $500,000 per win. What team do you choose and why? So last year, I'm going to read you the last place divisional teams. Okay. You have the Bucks, the Cardinals, the Lions, the Giants. Those are the, the, uh, mm-hmm. the NFC teams. The Raiders, Bengals, Jags, and Jets. Uh, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna go with the Jets here. I'm gonna go with the Jets. Well, you can't go. Can't go Raiders. No, you can't. You can't go Raiders. You can maybe make the the argument for Jacksonville. You maybe. you probably can't go Cincinnati because they're just their defense is rough. The yeah. the Buccaneers defense is really rough. The Cardinals defense looks like it's going to be atrocious. Yeah. The Lions are. Well, I'm also thinking about divisions, too. And Right. That's what I'm saying. If you go with the Jets, you get to play Dolphins Miami and, and yeah. Buffalo twice. Yeah. No, I think that, that that's the most logic. I'm trying to come up with a reason to go with someone else, and I really can't. <laughs> so the, Yeah. I the mean, Jets have one of the better schedules this season, actually. It makes makes Le'Veon a little bit easier yeah. to drive. I guess, I guess Jags. I guess the Jags would be my second. Yeah, you good, John? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there's our answer. Next one at Burly Boy seventy seven. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but it's storming really bad outside my my house. Uh, who would you take in half PPR? Dalvin Cook or Le'Veon Bell? Mm, interesting. Uh, I mean, I have I have Bell higher. I mean, I know you love Cook, but are you taking him over Bell? I have Dalvin Cook as my RB six right now. Mm. So I, I would I would take him over Le'Veon Bell, but I they're all in the same tier. I I can't fault anyone for going with volume. Le'Veon Bell is probably safer. I kind of feel like the presence of Adam Gase is could be the factor for you know deciding whether you go with with the Cook or 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 Bell, just because Gase seems like a loose cannon with running backs. Yeah, like no who matter knows, who what. Knows. Yeah, I, I I would lean Cook. But again, I can't fault anyone if they want to go lay down Bell there. Yeah. Next question at FF Take Machine. Denny, choose one. Okay. Have a two-hour conversation with JJ only about how beneficial smoothies for breakfast are. Have a one-hour conversation with a passionate RB Matters truther, or tweet quote Kickers don't matter and never be able to delete it. <laughs> I would never do the third part, third thing ever. Yeah. So you you either you have to have a one hour conversation with an with an Arby's matters truther, yeah. or have a two hour conversation about smoothies with me. Are we talking about Arby's the restaurant or running backs? Running backs. Okay. Um, yeah. No. I'd, I'd much. I mean, I'm no offense, but I'd much rather talk about the value of running back in football than smoothies. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> this podcast is canceled. I don't. I don't have anything to talk about smoothies except for it's a phase. You're gonna be done soon. <laughs> I'm. I'm going strong. <laughs> Actually, you want. You want to hear what I did recently? Uh-huh. I had extra smoothie one day. I made too much, and my wife had bought these little uh, popsicle containers, like make your own popsicle containers for the kids for Avery's for my my daughter's birthday party. Uh-huh. 
and I, 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 I poured the smoothie into those things, and I have smoothie popsicles now too. You maniac! Can I, yeah. can I confess something just between you and me? Yeah, let's hear it. You, you can turn off the recording. So, okay. uh, <laughs> back when my wife had her smoothie phase, um, before she left you, before she left, I was legit in a bad mood when she didn't have extra smoothie. <laughs> Wow! Look at this. What is going? He's turning. He's already turning. Because on this whole yeah, this this whole stance. Yeah, she used to make peanut butter, uh, peanut butter banana smoothies. Wow, that sounds delicious. It, it, it was, and so she would like pour a little cup for me, and I would I would drink it in like four seconds, like get brain freeze over it because it was tasted so good. And anytime she didn't have any left over, I would actually like find myself. Like being in a in a bad place afterward. Yeah, like shaking. And, and no, I'd be I'd be like mad, like like I like she owes that to me. Like like where's my where is my three sips of smoothie? It's not a phase, by the way. When when we talked about it, it's been at least a month that we the the first time we talked about it. And then on top of that, I was doing it before that. So like when when is a how long is a phase? And, we we said till December though. We did say till December. Yeah, well, so let's check in around Christmas. Okay. All right. Fair. Uh, now it's a religious podcast. Uh, next question <laughs> at Katie banks, zero one preference on late round flyer running max among Singletary Pollard, Madison Thompson and Edmonds. So many. Uh, I think we said Thompson earlier. That'd be my pick probably of the, of those guys. Uh, well, yeah, Singletary Pollard, Madison Thompson, Edmonds, Tony Pollard is, <sighs> Going to not be very relevant if Zeke plays. No, right, not not at all, right? I mean, I mean, he could maybe. I I think I think what Tony Pollard does is is hurt Zeke more than helps himself. Here's the thing: I don't know who is going to be in in a league where you have to start Chris Thompson on a weekly basis. I mean, I mean, I I would in the LTS. No, I think I'm uh, Dar. I'm thinking it's Darwin. I'm assuming it's Darwin. Oh, I thought it was. Chris. Oh, sorry, I thought you said Chris. Uh, no, it's probably. I mean, we're probably conditioned to think that any Thompson is is Chris. Oh no! no. By the way, guys, this is a good this is a good example. Use first names. Someone someone had a question that just said Brown or, earlier. Right. Or how about just Darwin? Let's go. Let's go with Darwin. Yeah, just go 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 with Darwin. I'm assuming I'm assuming it's Darwin here. It could be Chris. You, you're right. I didn't even think of Chris. I was just my mind has only been about Darwin the last week. Yeah. So. No, I've been banging the drum for Darwin. I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but yeah, I saw that. Uh, um, yeah. So it's yes, absolutely Darwin Thompson. Yes. Okay. Next question, at number one, Punna, my son just found out that I am extremely ticklish on my legs and will not stop tickling me. My life is a hellscape. Are either of you ticklish? Yes, I'm very ticklish. <laughs> I was waiting for you to admit it first. Yeah, yeah I'm, no. very, I'm ticklish. I'm a human being. I'm ticklish. I, I am. Uh, I mean, yeah, who's not, by the way? I don't know. I'm, yeah, I mean, I feel like if we said that we're not ticklish, that's a bigger problem. So my my dad used to, used to do this, like... Um, Earl Woods type exercise with me, uh, where, you know, Earl Woods used to like torment tiger to teach him golf. And he, but where I used to have to put up my arms above my head and he would go to tickle me under my arms, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't actually touch, touch my underarms. So, but, but he would, it was like, it was like a trust exercise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was like, you have to trust me. I'm not going to do it. And do you know how hard it is to watch someone like drill like almost like right into your yeah. pit and you have to trust they're not going to do it and he never did to his credit he never did uh and and but it was so hard as a kid very strange that like armpits are ticklish 
It is. Are they vulnerable? Is that why? I don't know why armpits are ticklish. Uh, like why? Why is that a thing? Oh uh, yeah, somebody look it up. And 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 why isn't your why isn't your face ticklish? Yeah, please enlighten. And us. why why are your feet ticklish? Why are you, maybe another? I think it has to do with vulnerability. But this is my non scientific opinion. You ever you ever get a massage before? Yeah, it's awful. It's terrible. Oh no, it's the greatest. I mean, it's it's great. It hurt, no, it hurts. It, it's painful. I, I actually no. I have to ask the lady. Can you can you ease up? <laughs> can you ease up? I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm a human being. I, I can feel that. Like I'm, I'm dying here. I, my, my, my back is bruised to hell every time I, I, I get a massage. So, I, I am fearful every time I get a massage that when they go to my feet, I'm just gonna <laughs> kick them in the face. <laughs> just a bloody nose instantly. Oh man. Anyway, next question at CD Carter sixty nine. Will Denny make JJ a pumpkin smoothie anytime soon? All these smoothie now, now smoothies are my thing. Den- Denny's had things. For the last four years of this podcast, <laughs> and then the one thing this is finally there's finally something that people are latching on to with me, and it's smoothies. You have a thing. It's good. It's good. I have I have a lot. Of, I have so many things I can't even remember what they are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm still growing the pumpkins. That the, the I have big pumpkin vines growing out of the ground in my backyard, and they're glorious. Wow. Wow. I can't wait. Uh, I haven't seen this parody account, but it's amazing. At Weepy Carter Thirteen. <laughs> what? Assuming assuming Gordon keeps falling in drafts with a lack of news. This is Melvin, I'm assuming, and not Josh. When drafting a zero RB-ish, 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 RB-ish team, how comfortable would you be drafting Gordon as your first running back in the round six or seven area? Well, yeah. I mean... Yeah, that, that, then there's no opportunity cost other than you holding him on, which I, I think he's going to hold out until week 10. Yeah, you, you said that. That makes sense. I, I read about that, and it seems like that's the most probable scenario. But, yeah, man, if you're getting Melvin Gordon in the sixth, you, you that's an auto-draft, right? Yeah, I think that's totally fine. Totally fine. Even 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 if you're holding on to him, that's about where you, you, can, you can do it comfortably. I haven't seen him go past the third. Yeah. This next question, at Nikhil Gupta FFA. Like AB's helmet, what's one thing you can't live without? Mine's my blender, clearly. Yeah, obviously, you freak. Uh, seltzer, seltzer water. I need seltzer. I, I need seltzer. Car- you go to. I need carbonated, uh, carbonated water at all times. I actually ran out the other day and I made like an emergency run at ten o'clock at night. Wow. Be- because I, I would not, I would not, I was not going to wake up the next morning and and not have any uh, seltzer available to me. It's just that it's like a it's like a, a security blanket almost at this point. So. Wow, do you hear the thunder in the background right now? I do. I, I we had a pretty pretty big storm here. Uh, it lasted like five minutes, and I and I was like, oh, it's gonna be cool now. And I walk outside, and it was a swamp. <laughs> it was. It felt like a hundred and ten degrees. Can, yeah, it can go in one of two directions after a storm. Right. Every time, and uh, the the cool the, the coolness is the best though. Thank anyway, you. thank you, meteorologist JJ. Yes, yes. But I, I used to when I was like five years old, I used to just watch the Weather Channel. Oh yeah. Like yeah, my, my parents thought I was going to be a meteorologist and instead I became a fantasy football analyst and they're really proud of me. Right, right. Either way, you're still in your mom's basement. That's right. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> all meteorologists, clearly, they, they, they give the weather from the, their mom's I, basement. No, I, yeah, obviously this is not the case. They're, they're probably living in penthouses. <laughs> yeah, for, for, for getting 50% for, of the things, right? For, for, for reading what's on my uh, iPhone weather app every day. <laughs> yeah, right. It, is, it, is gotten, it has gotten to the point. Now, look. 
if you're a meteorologist, we're not actually poking fun at your job here. But it's gotten to the point where you are just reading. You're good on television. I mean, you're good looking. That's true. That's true. Next question. At S. Clark 111286. Most dad runner moments so far, 13 months. That's what it says in parentheses. Am in Disney with the family, and while riding down the Magical Express to catch up with a group, I tweaked my ass. Sorry to the kids. Muscle. <laughs> what is the most embarrassing dad injury you have sustained? P.S. Denny, it's pumpkin spice season here. Uh, by the way, I've I've heard that muscle running before. It's the piriformis muscle. It's it's in there. And I have stretches if you want stretches to, to help that out. Yeah, you should share that. By the way, I remember that when you did that. And yeah. um, I thought it was so funny that not just you, but like anybody who hurts their, their ass muscle, apologies to the kids, <laughs> uh, can just say the sci- the medical name. What is it? The the piriformis muscle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if someone's like, "Why are you limping?" I hurt my piriformis muscle. And and if they don't ask, they're gonna think, "Oh, like that's like in the calf or like behind the knee or something." You know. That's right. And and you can just keep going without being like, "No, it's actually my my butt cheek that's hurting a lot." Exactly. I uh, I might even be pronouncing it incorrectly, but so so physical therapy Twitter is gonna come at me, but (laughs) but but I think that's that's PT Twitter is. Furious. Yeah, um, PT Twitter just gonna go ham. I don't know what my m- most dad injury was. Um, I guess is it a dad injury to punch a fence and break your hand in softball? Yeah. Yeah, I did that. That is the most Denny thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Such a Denny thing. Oh man, dude, my family almost disowned me. Like my whole family. Like my parents, Melissa, uh, my mother-in-law was there. Wow. Oh, yeah. so they were there. They were there and they saw me punch the fence and then I pretended like I was okay. And then eventually I was like, Mm-mm, my hand's definitely broken. You can see the bone. What, what do you think? What do you think that the the rate of hand breaking is when someone punches a wall? Oh, uh, well, th- this is a fence that I didn't think sure, that sure. on a fence. Wall, wall or, oh, so, okay. I shouldn't say like drywall, like not like Andy from the office <laughs> punching the wall, right? I'm talking like yeah. I'm talking like a brick wall. Oh, oh, that that's a that's a ninety five percenter. Yeah, and a fence is probably like a a twenty five percenter. Just a two percenter. I I that, oh even even lower. That was a freak. Yeah, that was a freak thing. I that, it should have never happened. And and I had just got, fences can be. What well, what? Well, I mean, I'm assuming it's like a chain link fence, right? Yeah. I mean, I would put it higher than two percent really? if you're going full force. I I trust that you have a can throw a punch. Yeah, I threw I threw I punched it real hard. I just got caught in a rundown between first and second, and they those bastards made me run back and forth for like a minute, <laughs> and then I ran, I ran out of gas and tripped, and they got me. They tagged me. So first of all, I'm drenched in sweat. I'm in the dirt, face first. I'm just so I'm just absolutely out of my mind with rage, and I come back to the bench. And immediately just hit the fence and I heard a crack and I was like, oh, shoot. Amazing. Amazing. Next question at LG Zorro. Dad in crisis. My seven-year-old is about to start second grade and he still enjoys himself a booger snack from time to time. I beg you, help me stop it. This is this is funny that people ask us these questions. I, I, it is. I, it is like I've it's, I, I've been a dad for a year, you guys. Right. Yeah. My kid's six. Uh, yeah. But I w- what I would do is uh, there's this stuff that you can put on um, dog toys or, or things things that dogs are chewing on, not toys because they can chew on toys, uh, called bitter apple spray. Yeah. <laughs> just put that all – just lather that up on your kid's hand. Yeah. Uh, um, 
Ooh, I don't know about the booger eating. I know that the that I used to bite my nails until they uh, bled. I'm sorry, that's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I don't know why. I, as as I, as I was saying it, I was like, "You got to stop. You got to stop saying this. No one wants to hear this. Stop." And I still said it anyway. My mom put pepper on my uh, fingernails, and I wow. and I stopped because pepper's the worst thing. I don't know if you knew that. Pepper's not the worst thing, but that'd be it'd be, it'd be bad in in large quantities <laughs> like yeah. that. Uh, next question at Placence. Who do you guys like between the three main Rams wide receivers? Oh. Well, for, uh, for the price. I like Brandon Cook. I like Brandon Cooks the most. Just straight up, I like him the most. I mean, but there's like no separation between them at this point. I mean, very little. I guess Cup goes like a round and a half after Woods and and, and Cooks. Not even, yeah. But he's yeah, and so I guess in, in best ball he sometimes does, but Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm still kind of on Woods. That's fine. I don't think there's a wrong answer to this. Yeah, but I feel I like, go with Cooks though. I kind of I think I, he's the most talented. I do. I do feel like like Cooks is the guy who can blow the roof off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to. Oh, here's a good one. At Chris underscore Quick, please rank the most acceptable to least acceptable unironic facial hairstyles. Okay. Unironic. Is Unir- the unironic. Yeah. A beard. Okay. A mustache. A goatee. Mutton chops. Okay, those are the four. You have to go from the most acceptable to the least. I I would say that a beard is the most acceptable. It, it honestly depends for me. I feel like uh, a lot of guys who have a beard shouldn't have a beard. I'm not talking about you. Yeah, thanks, Denny. But also, it's the kind of beard. Is it a is it a week is it a week long beard like you have, or or are we talking a monstrous bushy beard that's not taken care of? Yeah, right. I I would agree with that. The other thing that I I think there are a lot of people who really strive to have a beard but it it grow, it comes in super super patchy right and at that point you got to just like look yourself in the mirror yeah and and say can i really do this yeah. am i really am i truly pulling this off when yeah. it's patchy like that? exactly I, okay so I'll, I'll go with beard okay that's one okay number two this is where things to me i think i think beard is in its own tier and I'm I'm trying to be not biased here because I have I don't have like a full you know like a massive beard but I have like a you know like Denny said a week long beard mm-hmm. uh you got mustache goatee mutton chops unironically uh, so I actually don't think a mustache can like it's just a straight mustache with a clean shaven face I just feel like that can't look really good <laughs> so now everyone who has a mustache just turned off the podcast I, i'm i you know i'm gonna offend people i know i know look we offend people on this show it's okay but you're asking me you know you want my honest opinion i'm not gonna i'm not gonna soft so my dad has had a mustache since the jimmy carter administration sorry yeah, my, my dad had one for a while too yeah. yeah and and so i i grew up with seeing a mustache every day in fact when my dad shaved his mustache my mom cried for two days um seriously (laughs) um but it was the 80s it was a crazy time and uh i so i had to put that at the bottom you put you put mustache at the below mutton chops oh shoot i i think that the, the probably the most acceptable ranking is beard goatee mustache mutton chops yeah but i i think that goatees and again we're gonna offend people but my opinion is go you have to be a certain age to rock a goatee yes, yes. <laughs> right I, yeah. I don't think that's an unfair thing to say no if you're 29 get that goatee off your face <laughs> that's right 
Just just extend the goatee, grow the freaking beard, and be like every other twenty nine year old out there. You know, yeah. If you if you want a goatee, wait till you're fifty five, and then yeah, and then, right, right, and then it's it's more than acceptable. Then you you actually kind of look cool. You look a little yeah, edgy. right, right, like, right. Uh, no, I, I agree, I agree, I agree. But there's a there's an what do you think the tipping point is age wise for for goatees? Uh, uh, oof, oof. I, I mean, I I'm gonna go up to fifty. You're gonna go fifty. I would say maybe like forty four. <laughs> okay, that's very specific. Weirdly yeah, no, really specific. Um, but and mutton chops are only acceptable if you are a Civil War reenactor. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. In, in, in no other case is it okay. You got you got to shave that stuff off the side of your face. Yes. Uh, all right. Next question at Jared Hyde ten. I know you're not a fan of drafting handcuffs, but is pairing Carson and Penny a good idea? Penny should be worth flex consideration on his own. And if either were to miss time, wouldn't the other benefit? This seems like a whole, this seems like a whole, wow, this, I was actually reading it properly. This seems like a whole is better than the parts kind of sitch. Okay. Okay. It's very, very kind of difficult to read that. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very kind of. I, I, in, in no universe am I taking both Seattle running backs at their ADPs. No, no, you can't because you're you're investing a lot in that backfield and you're not going to start both of those players at the same time. When, when we say things like ha, a, a guy, like Latavius Murray is a good example. Maybe not Latavius Murray because we know how that backfield operates. Royce Freeman, let's say, okay? Royce Freeman might be projected to not see as much volume as Philip Lindsay. But he still has flex appeal. Yeah. And then if something were to happen to Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman is all of a sudden in every down back. Right. Okay. So he has the volume upside when that happens. But in the meantime, you're still starting him in your flex spot. You're still starting Royce Freeman as a flex as your RB3, let's say. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a situation with Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, there's absolutely no reason to start both Seattle running backs every single week. I mean, it's not going to work out. I don't. I don't know. Right. Exactly. I, I. I mean. I don't know who. I guess if you think that they're going to be like at the run heaviest team of all time, maybe. But you have to take Carson at the end of the third, and then you have to take Penny, in the seventh. So you're talking about two of your first seven picks from the same backfield. No way. You. You got to make. A, you got to make a decision. You really have to make a decision between those two. I. I like Penny there, and I don't hate Carson, but. I I would not do both. His ADP, like I like when I got, I got him at like RB twenty five or something, twenty four in the Apex draft. Yeah, love his that, ADP yeah. has gone up like like at least five spots. Yeah, since that draft happened because of all the the positive news. And I get it, like I get that you would want Chris Carson, but if you're getting him at like the three four turn, I I, I think I'm out at that point. I, I just. It, it it really you know the wide receivers that are there like if you're getting him over like a Julian Edelman or even a Brandon Cooks I just it's it's a little bit difficult for me to do also that. running backs taken in the third fourth and fifth rounds are traditionally uh, landmines yeah they're tough bets yeah they are they are uh, I think that that's the last question that we're gonna get to today Denny alrighty I've been saying alrighty lately and I and I don't feel good about it I don't I don't know where where it came from yeah it's kind of lame uh, yeah alrighty I, I oh god oh my god I'm just it's the <laughs> why are you doing that's the most dad that's such a dad thing yeah it's the least cool thing I I, I feel like I've given up you know I feel I feel like it's uh, the equivalent of driving a Ford Taurus just telling the world that you've given up I yeah <laughs> sorry to all the Taurus <laughs> drivers <laughs> We've really offended a lot of people. Uh, Did you ever think back when you were like in your early 20s, maybe late teens, and you're like, 
you look at like dads, not even dads of like teenagers, but dads of like kids your age, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. And you're like, how did they turn out to be so lame? Right. Yeah. Like, like at one point they must have been cool. Like, uh, yeah, somebody must have been cool back then. Right. And like, like when did, when did, uh, when did, when did dads start combing their hair over yeah. was always one of the big ones for me. Like when, when did that start to, and then like, it's not a, it's it, my, my friends like have a comb over type style hair all the time now. Well, what are we, what are we talking about? Because when I think of comb over, I think of someone who has lost all their hair up top and then they grow out the sides. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that's the over. traditional comb over. I mean, more of like a wet your hair a lot and like have sort of like the, the business. Uh, look, I, that's right. That's like the traditional comb over. Uh-huh. You're not wrong. But I mean more of like the, the, uh, like, like part your hair like not not in the you not mean in like the this. way like no no i don't i don't mean like that denny because that's like the that's like the style right now uh-huh. right i mean more take a step back okay don't go with the style that's in right now that every person on bachelor in paradise has okay i mean the the person who goes in front of the mirror and gets a comb and just wets their hair and then uses the comb and just parts it down the one side and then just pushes it over and literally combs it over that look. Yeah. And I always wondered when do people start that look? And that look starts, I think whenever you're like late twenties, early thirties, and it just is enhanced when you actually become a dad. Right. Right. Yeah. That's that, that sounds like the right timeline to me. Yeah. And I just, it's, and now you're sitting there. What was the thing that you keep saying? All righty. All righty. Yeah, like like what what the hell happened to you? I I was with so I started saying it when I took uh my kids and their cousins to to laser tag the other day, and of course I dominated. Thank you very much. And uh, well, another another dadism right there. We're on we're on the same level. I don't know what people want, but uh, the <laughs> uh I kept saying, "Alrighty, kids, alrighty, alrighty." Wow. Wow. Ugh, kill me. Man, imagine sending your kid to go play laser tag with Denny Carter. Oh man, they don't even know. They don't even know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm like in the, in the bush of, of, of like a war zone, you know, being like, like, hey, hey, you get that base. I'm getting that base. You get the, the sniper on the hill. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Oh man. All right, Denny, where can everyone find you? Uh, CD Carter thirteen on the Twitter. Also, my equity score report is out. I've tweeted about it incessantly, uh, so you can find it on Twitter. It's also on DraftDayConsultants.com. I'm on Twitter at LateRoundQB. Uh, you can follow me on there, or you can subscribe to my podcast, the other one that I do, the Late Round Podcast, uh, which I do a lot, often. It's a solo show, though. It's without Denny. Yeah, so, so listen to it. Hey, by the way, become a patron. Yes, do that as well. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out LakeGroundQB.com. Hope you come back soon as we share about the team.